Happy 2023, everybody. Yay, we did it. We did it. So we made it through 2022. This is the first podcast in 2023. So it's episode Amadi Ammunition on this one. I'm looking to Timmy. Luke slash Timmy's in the room. Do you know what episode we are? What season? Uh, This is season three. So this is season three, episode one. Boom. Over. That makes it easy. Season three, episode one. We are still failing at our attempts to pick a fight with California, so, you know, whatever. Those guys suck. Uh, And we are here to uh, talk a little bit about uh, what the goals and plans are for 2023. We are here with, of course, Luke slash Timmy, Super Chuck Sullivan, and these amazing cats. Why don't you introduce yourself for the record so we can hear your sexy voices? Thanks, Jerry Bear. Uh, My name is Steve Shatsky, the Northern District Legislative Rep. Oh, Yeah. Jeff Maher, Central District Ledge Rep, Galesburg uh, Firefighter. Galesburg. Local 555. Triple nickel. Uh, Speaking of that, Galesburg is an issue that we have coming up. I wanted to give a little bit of an update on the wonderful world of House Bill 220 before we begin, which for all of you in our world know as the Battalion Chiefs Bill. Um, And the Battalion Chiefs Bill has been remarkably successful, I think. Um, We have had a number of locals where uh, they are now in the club. Um, Broadview comes to mind. Oswego comes to mind. Pekin comes to mind. Uh, actually, my local comes to mind. Berwyn, we are in. In fact, uh, point of personal privilege. Uh, first ever shift, January 1, 2023, of a battalion being in the bargaining unit was pulled by yours truly after 120 years. So that's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, it was really great. That's awesome. Um, Lombard recently in uh, this. Oh, this is our twenty-fourth episode. This is our twenty-fourth episode. Come on, fuck it. People are yeah. still listening. Holy I, shit! Well, I don't know if that's true. I think. I mean, we're pretty legit. We're prestige worldwide. So um, we still have our listeners in the Netherlands, and oh, the yeah. Dutch people. I think are listening. So that's good. Um, but so 24th episode. So again, for House Bill 220, uh, we're all in. Uh, Lombard, I think I just might have mentioned. Uh, they are now in. And uh, I think we're going to hearing in Galesburg uh, at the end of April uh, on that issue, on the House Bill 220 issue. So looking forward to that uh, because um, the battalions are not supervisors within the meaning of the act and should be allowed to come into the bargaining unit and exercise their bargaining rights. So been really good. Anybody else that I'm missing for 220? There's been a Yeah, there's more probably few, 12 to 15. I, I don't have a list in front of me. I know Bloomingdale. Bloomingdale, that's right. I'm uh, sorry, Bloomingdale. Homer, Homer Glenn, um, New Lenox. Yes. Uh, yes. Woodstock. Yeah, and, uh, and more. So if you are a shift commander in the fire department world and you wish to explore that opportunity, contact your district VP and go from there. But it has been going swimmingly uh, and uh, life is good, right? Right. Uh, so with- just, just so everybody's clear, it doesn't automatically allow the shift commanders. They sign a card and they're automatically in. Um, our legislative team in Springfield last year was successful um, with 
Representative Larry Walsh and Senator Tom Cullerton in passing a bill and Governor Pritzker signing a bill to uh, allow our quote unquote shift commanders a little bit easier avenue within the Public Labor Relations Act to organize and collectively bargain Correct. a contract. And so you still, it's not a blanket, hey, you sign a card, you're automatically in. There's still numerous steps yes. that, that the, need to be Whether done. or not you're a supervisor within the meaning of the act. Right. Um, and uh, um, we've been very successful in showing why uh, these members should be in the bargaining units and will continue to be successful. So thank you very much for, uh, for doing that, Associated Firefighters of Illinois. Uh, I think, Chuck, you had a couple of comments that you wanted to make for the AFFI world before we got into the wonderful world of 2023 and how our ledge reps are going to proceed on our behalf. Is that correct? That is correct. Thank All you. Right. Do it. Jerry Bear? Hi. Jerry well, Bear? What's it? I mean, I'm pretty adorable. <laughs> I like J Mars myself. You, you are J Mars. Um, okay. J Mars. Um, Obviously, this episode is uh, going to inform our membership about all of the things that the AFFI does in Springfield, and because of our membership support, um, we are probably the only state that has three full-time firefighters, plus me, um, down in Springfield every single day that the General Assembly is in session. Um, many states are, I guess the word would be envious of us. And I just, I want to make a, a, just a very blanket statement, a very clear statement. So our membership understands that you elected, um, not only myself, but three legislative reps. And before I forget, Brant Main is the uh, Southern district legislative rep. Newly retired. And because Congratulations. he is, uh, six plus hours away, he is uh, obviously not in the studio today, but, um, we are a union firefighter organization that has a very narrow um, focus, and that focus is on our membership and their health and safety. And all of the initiatives that we introduce in Springfield are basically based on resolutions that the delegates at convention um, guide our legislative team to do. And they focus on really three different subjects. That's collective bargaining, the right to collectively bargain, worker rights, um, retirement security, and worker injury protections. Those are our three main focuses throughout Springfield when we're in Springfield advocating for firefighters and paramedics. At no point do we ever involve ourselves in something that doesn't relate to our profession or our health and safety, um, namely uh, assault weapons, we don't involve ourselves in any gun legislation. We don't involve ourselves in any abortion legislation. The Safety we, Act. We don't involve ourselves in any death penalty legislation. We don't involve ourselves in gay rights legislation, et cetera, et cetera. So I just want to make that blanket statement so our membership understands that you elected us. Um, many, most of our membership belongs to various organizations. As I've said, you know, throughout my career at the AFFI, you probably belong to the NRA. You might belong to the Knights of Columbus. You might, you or your spouse might belong to Planned Parenthood or, you know, the Catholic Church. Um, and those organizations are um, down in Springfield just like we are with a focus on their membership. And at the end of the day, we provide you a list of candidates that are more than likely going to support your issues as a firefighter paramedic 
And when you get that list of endorsements, um, that's for your educational information. And when you go to the voting booth, that's entirely up to you. This is just our, our guide to you, and we're doing what we were elected to do. So these two are going to uh, delve into what the AFI is going to be doing in the 103rd. So, all right. So what does the year 2023 bring to us in terms of uh, legislation in Springfield? Yeah, so I guess the first thing to start with is the beginning of 2023 ended the 102nd General Assembly, which concluded on January 10th of this year. Uh, prior to that, there was two weeks of lame duck. Back in November, there was two weeks of a veto session. Uh, during all of that time, there was no bill that affected uh, firefighters, our issues, our our objectives, the things that we're working towards. So we're happy to say that nothing uh, nothing squeezed by without us paying attention, and we're we're good. The 102nd convened with uh, no issues, no problems on our. On so our it end. ended quietly, and now here we are in the 103rd. You got it. Okay. So on January 11th at 9 a.m., or actually it was at noon, the 103rd General Assembly was sworn in, which actually has a lot of new members in the House and Senate. So could, before we get to that, can we talk, and this might be putting some, I don't know if anybody has those numbers, but in terms of the individuals that we endorsed for the 103rd and the individuals who are elected, I, I mean, we're always pretty high in our success rate. Do we have those numbers? We do, actually, yeah. What, what are those? So of the 177 members of the General Assembly, there's 59 senators, 118 state reps. We endorsed 145 of them. 141 of our endorsed candidates won. So we had a 97% okay. uh, record. So out of everybody record. we endorsed, 97% came in. Correct. Which bodes well for the two of you down in the 103rd General Assembly. It helps. <laughs> and it's because of our 225, 226 now locals that, you know, get engaged at the local level, helping when, when their ledge rep or their PEC calls, they're, they're willing to show up and knock on doors and talk to people and put up flyers and hangers and things like that. Absolutely. That, that absolutely contributes to our ability to be successful at the state level. And if, as I mean, when you say 141 of 145, one of the things that we want to discuss is that is without fear or favor, I suppose. So we didn't, not all Democrats, not all Republicans, not all independents, Democratic Socialists, Libertarians. It was whoever was in that race that is going to support the mission of AFFI without regard to political affiliation. Is that correct? Completely accurate. So as President Sullivan previously mentioned, uh, we stick to firefighter issues. We stick to our core values and the things that we were elected to go to Springfield to, to talk about and discuss. So we look at first and foremost, and this isn't just our, our current idea. This is, you know, been in writing in our constitution and bylaws since 1935 that we're a, a bipartisan organization. So if we have an incumbent, we look at the voting record because regardless of what somebody says, regardless of what somebody says, puts on social media, how they vote is ultimately all we care about. And when somebody has a favorable voting record for AFFI issues, they earn our endorsement. It's that simple. Uh, similarly, when it's an open seat or maybe somebody that doesn't have a good voting record, that's the incumbent, we send out a questionnaire and that questionnaire also sticks to just firefighter issues, union issues. Things like, you know, what are your thoughts on tier two? What are your what are your thoughts about unions and, and 
we get a Collective little bit bargaining in general. Yeah, we get a little bit into the weeds about our specific issues, but that questionnaire dictates a lot of how we move forward. We talk with the locals in that jurisdiction, and we come together as a legislative committee and make make the endorsements based off of that exact criteria. I just really, for one, hope that we can set aside any um, efforts for collective bargaining, health and safety rights, um, having a seat at the table, expanding pension benefits. I want to throw all that aside, and I really hope that this year we can just delve directly into the culture wars. Let's just do that alone. (laughs) Let's solely just do culture wars and set aside everything else and then go from there. So maybe we can just, I mean, it's just a suggestion. I don't. Yeah, know. it's just, an idea. There's about 360 <laughs> delegates that would it's, probably not appreciate that. But. Yeah, but it's technically an idea. Um, that was nobody at this table, Sinner. That was also a Diet Coke. Yeah, I like the t- record. Oh, I just flag. looked up. It was a Diet Coke. I thought it was going to be something cool, like a can old style or something, but now it's a Diet Coke and whatever, boring chuck, whatever. So, okay, uh, getting back into, like, the real world of trying to advocate on behalf of our members. Yes. What's up on the docket for the 103rd general or uh, legislative session? So, as I mentioned, at noon on January 11th, the 103rd General Assembly was sworn in. Boom. That has about, this this isn't an exact number, but it's about 35 new senators and state reps that uh, have never been in office before or are new to the 103rd General Assembly. Okay. So some of that is trying to, you know, continue to build relationships. We met a lot of them on the campaign trail. Uh, our local affiliates have, have good relationships with a good amount of them, but some of them are brand new. Uh, you know, it, it was an open seat that we didn't make an endorsement and things like that. So we're continuing to build relationships, also continuing to explain what our profession does. You know, we use jargon every day, not only at the AFI, but also, you know, at the firehouse that makes sense to us. But sure. The average "quote unquote" person has no idea what we're talking about when we say right. some of those things. Some state rep out there has no idea what a Kelly Day is. Yeah. I get it yeah. exactly, or a Daily Day. So uh, when when we when we start, we get the benefit of being firefighters ourselves. You know, we're not just paid lobbyists that have ten other contracts, and we're trying to read the the fact sheet ourselves before we try to explain it to a state rep. We we get the the good fortune of living the profession on our quote unquote days off from Springfield. So it's not uncommon at all for us to get off shift on Tuesday morning, head to Springfield and, you know, testify in a committee uh, on a bill. So uh, that, that certainly helps and goes a long way with building those relationships, especially at the beginning. So, so what get, are the bills we're talking about? Yeah. So getting into that, uh, one of the first bills we have, it's going to be house bill 1052. This was previously House Bill 171 in the 102nd General Assembly. This is, and you've heard us talk about this for years now, this is our top priority. It is Tier 2 fixes. So we've we've gone into great length about the need to improve Tier 2 benefits. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our recruitment issues that we're having across the state to have our profession have, you know, a future. And this certainly factors into that. So what House Bill 1052 does is it would change the COLA from Tier 2 members currently being 3% or half of CPI to striking the half CPI language and making it specifically 3%. 3%. It would also remove the 6% per year penalty for those that retire before age 55. So if you're 51 years old, you complete 20 years, 
and you want to retire as a tier two member, you would currently be penalized 6% per year prior to your 55th birthday, and this would eliminate that provision as well. So again, we're going to continue pushing. That's a, a difficult bill, but we're, we're confident that we're going to get there. We're Again, I feel like sometimes we're a broken record, but I, we need to reiterate for those that haven't heard before, or if you're driving in the work right now, it's 5.30 in the morning, got some cobwebs still, just keep in the back of your mind that tier one benefits certainly did not look the way they did when they were introduced. Tier one benefits have been improved upon over the last four decades. And, you know, just President Sullivan alone didn't get hired on champagne with the benefit he retired from Champagne on. So tier two members, please keep in mind that it's a work in progress. It's at the front of our mind. And and, and there's been improvements over the last 10, 11 years already, right? That is correct. Multiple improvements. And the 101st General Assembly, Senate Bill 1300, uh, changed their at the last day salary or the, the final salary from eight of your last 10 years to four of your last five years. Right. It also improved the... Uh, Salary cap from three percent or half of CPI to three percent complete, not or that, and it uh, was retroed back to 2011 when it was right. enacted. And the salary cap, yeah, exactly, was increased yeah. as well. Yes. Yeah. So, all right, what's next on the docket? Uh, the next thing we have is House Bill 1065. This was House Bill 4630 in the 102nd. For those that were paying attention at home, this has to do with workers' comp. Uh, burden of proof. You may have remembered us previously talking either at Ledge Committee or Ledge Conference or the last podcast we were on about how sometimes, and this might surprise some people listening, that occasionally we have somebody that just looks at the bottom dollar and not the person involved. So if they can save a dollar on a work comp claim, they're going to do that. And that's just life. You know, that's reality. So uh, sometimes people that obviously had a knee injury on, on a call uh, are being told that that injury could have happened from your old high school football days, and right. they want to deny the, the work comp claim. So what this bill would do is it would make it very clear that the burden of proof relies on the employer. And some of that language specifically says, this presumption is intended to shift the burden of proof to the employing entity, and any party attacking the presumption must establish by clear and convincing evidence that an independent and non-work-related cause for the condition or disability listed in this subject and prove that no aspect of the employment contributed to the condition. So even if you did, in essence, have that high school football injury, if your work as a firefighter contributed to it, that would give you the benefit of the doubt still. Which actually, that kind of well, mirrors a little bit Article 4 of the pension code, where if it's caused or contributed by, uh, then you're in the club, yep. right? So, you got it. Yeah. It's like you're an attorney. Yeah, got it. Well, kind of. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the next bill. So I, just to real quick go back, on January 11th, when the 103rd General Assembly was sworn in, that was the first day to be able to file these bills. So when a bill's filed... Uh, we we drafted ourselves, you know, we talk amongst ourselves and figure out what we want to do, what we want the bill to do, where we, where in state statute we want it to be placed. Uh, when we feel confident about that, we send it over to the 
Legislative Review Bureau, or the LRB, which is a room in the Capitol that has a lot of attorneys in it talking about... Uh, oh, God. Yeah, yeah, I know. So it, uh, they a room full of attorneys talking. I was going to say a room full of cherries. <laughs> that would just ruin my day. No way, man. Those guys are definitely not as fun as me, but whatever. Uh, that is accurate. Actually. That's true. Yeah. So uh, LRB has a host of attorneys that help us make sure we're saying what we want it to say. The uh, intent is what we want it to be. And we're correctly in the state statute that we're looking to modify or change. And uh, because of that process taking a while, we don't have bill numbers for a lot of these bills. The Senate actually doesn't have any bill numbers yet. So some of these bills we don't have numbers for, but we will certainly update you when we do. Do you think that we should do our own Amphify version of Schoolhouse Rock so that everybody understands how a bill becomes law? Yeah, we're not going to be able to do that today, but we definitely uh, have that on the agenda for a future. <laughs> be really great. I think Kurt Snow would be amazing at it. Yeah, I think it's going to need to be a YouTube video. <laughs> like a YouTube on the AFFI YouTube channel, which would be amazing. Between Two Engines, starring Jerry and Luke slash Timothy. <laughs> so what's the next bill? Uh, so the next one stems from Resolution 2022-11, and this has to do with the EMS Act. Uh, the resolution itself directs us to work with the AFFI EMS Committee to find various parts of the EMS Act that need to be improved that we currently have issues with, and... It's a long process. Uh, we've had uh, Local 2 and our AFFI EMS committee have worked already tirelessly to, to put together some stuff, and we have a draft at LRB right now that is 128 pages. I was fortunate enough to uh, be asked to work on that for Local 2, and that was really a cool experience to be able to do that. And the changes uh, are, are comprehensive, to say the least. So, yes, yes. Yeah. So one of like the big takeaways on this, and if you're a EMT or paramedic, you likely know this. If you if you make an, a mistake or an error, no one's saying that you know you shouldn't be held accountable. There should be certain retraining and things that take place in that, but you shouldn't be penalized three times for the same offense. And in essence, that's happening on a regular basis. You know, if you let's just say you make a medication error, while well, your regional medical officer or medical director can determine that you're going to have a 10-day suspension. Of your, of your license. Of your EMS, your EMS license. license. Yeah. Uh, so that, that takes place. It's pretty common that if you don't have your EMT or paramedic license, you're not able to perform your job at the fire department, so your department would also suspend you for a period of time. It could be more than that 10 days. So you get done serving that 10 days with the medical director, with your region, with your department, and then IDPH comes in and says, oh, well, we got word of this now. We're going to review it, and we're also going to give you a 30-day suspension, but it doesn't run congruent with that 10 days that you already served from the region. Correct. So you, in essence, could be, you know, for the same offense or same issue, same event, have three different penalties or disciplines uh, put and, on you. And unlike where we have been successful because it is fair and independent, um, on a grievance arbitration to challenge that discipline. On those other uh, entities, you're, you're moving through an unknown, you know, the Byzantine world of, um, you know, administrative review of those decisions through the you know, Department of Public Health, uh, et cetera. Yes. Correct, yeah. yeah. 
when when you're looking across the table with your medical director, there's no representation there. There's no Correct. one. There's no one helping you. There's no one defending you or explaining your side of the story. Correct. So this 128-page uh, document would certainly go a long way to fixing some of that. Yes. Uh, one of the next bills we have came from Resolution 2022-13. This has to do with the Public Employee Disability Act. Uh, if you recall, in the 101st and 102nd General Assembly, when COVID presumptions were uh, identified and there was specific legislation to address that, it, it went to identify that you can not only be injured but also ill from the cumulative effects or specific events uh, caused within your job. And outside of the COVID issue, there's been some challenges that some employers, in essence, that have said, well, that's an illness, not an injury. It's You're not covered by PETA. Yeah, and which, is re- which is really unfortunate. I mean, let me give you an example because we've dealt with this. And I'm sorry, I just kind of feel passionate about this one. So, you know, you're telling me that uh, if you respond to a hazardous materials incident and you breathe in some icky, nasty, bad stuff, uh, and it's very clear that it's from responding to this rail car or this truck or whatever, uh, and you develop a respiratory illness, is the employer going to take the position, well, that's an illness, not an injury. You didn't you know, fall through the roof and injure your leg. And it's just a, a, a brutal splitting of hairs to deny someone a benefit when they are injured clearly in the course of their employment and in the line of duty. So, but anyway, I'm sorry, just uh, that's a confusing one to me, uh, positions that sometimes employers take. Agree. And there's certainly good actors out there that are doing the right thing. Wonder, mostly, one, most, vast majority of employers are wonderfully good actors yeah. with this, yes. But because of the ones that aren't, uh, this bill would make it, again, clear that that is the intent to be an injury or illness. And again, uh, that doesn't yet have a bill number because that's going through the Senate side. Yes. But uh, as soon as it does, we'll make sure everybody well, has it. And by the way, I believe, you know the position of AFFI has always been it is injury or illness that that is obvious. Absolutely. Uh, but for the you know couple of bad actors out there, you know more for clarification purposes uh, than anything else, I suppose. Absolutely. So the next one has to do with the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, this is a resolution from this past convention, twenty twenty two twenty nine. Uh, we had, and this has happened in more than one place, but specifically one local that submitted the resolution, which passed unanimously on the convention floor, uh, stated that you know they were going through negotiations, they were trying to talk about manning and staffing issues, and the department had sanctioned a study to determine how much manning they should have, what staffing and rig placements and all of that should look like, and they, they got that back, didn't like the results of it, so kept it in draft form so it couldn't be foia'd and used by the other side, by, by the local, I should say. That's so uh, what this bill would do would specifically, and I'll read it real quick, says that any studies, drafts, notes, recommendations, memoranda, or other records in which opinions are expressed, policies or actions are formulated, except that a specific record or relevant portion of a record shall not be exempt when the record has remained in draft form for more than 12 month for more than a 12 month period and when public dollars are utilized to conduct such study by a local unit of government yeah i've also dealt with this when the employer says that the they don't want any there's they there's no way we're so much cooler than those guys that professional can i just say it yeah. Can I, say, I mean, it would appear to us we just we have competition. We have competition. I just it's want to talk about district. just we need to stop this. We need to talk about this right now. What season right are they now? 
They're not even on NBC. Do you know what? Everybody, stop it. It would appear to us. Breaking news. Hold the breaking press. Breaking news has just happened that the Professional Firefighters Union of Indiana is now starting their own podcast. Well, sirs and ladies, let me tell you. There's one Midwestern podcast here. And it is the Associated Firefighters of Illinois. So you know what? Indiana, where there's not much more than corn, take that. I like sure. Indiana. It's great. It's the home of the Indy 500. Hey, we're them the best of luck. We're trendsetters. Well, not only are we trendsetters, but you know what we could do is like kind of that like Chicago Med PD crossover thing that they always do. Like we go on their podcast from Indiana, they come on ours. That'd be kind of cool, you know. Um, you know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see if they're cool or not. We'll spy on them and we'll figure it out if we're going to allow them in the whatever. But I digress. So anyway, Professional Firefighters Union of Indiana, we're watching you. Um, so where I have seen on the FOIA is if they uh, don't, they you'll see employers that are bad actors sometimes try to allege that they didn't rely on it, that they have the study, but you know what, we didn't rely on it, so therefore there's a particular exception under FOIA that we don't have to turn it over. And I've actually had to go to the office of the attorney general and show that they did rely on it, et cetera, and the attorney general makes a ruling, whatever. So this would be really nice uh, if, if this is able to be, to be passed in terms of being getting the information that clearly has been reviewed upon and left a draft form for a you know particular reason. So Yeah, and, and again, it's just good governance and you know transparency. If, if a, a local unit of government spends $30,000, those are taxpayer dollars, that should be known by all parties. Right. So uh, the next one we have is for our brothers and sisters in Bedford Park. Uh, this bill was a redraft from the 102nd General Assembly. It was House Bill 5153. And for those that maybe forgot or don't remember or haven't heard this before, Bedford Park is a unique local as they have over 60 full-time firefighters, but because of their population, they don't meet the threshold to be an Article 4 participant. 5,000 people yeah yeah so unfortunately they are they don't have some of the same protections and benefits that the other 224 locals do and because of that there's been various bills throughout the years that have tried to get them some of the benefits through IMRF uh, SLEP the Sheriff's Law Enforcement Pension Fund and this bill would add some of that some of those protections as well specifically uh, survivor and occupational disability yes. benefits so, uh, again, another bill that we're, we're trying to push over the finish line for those guys. Yeah, the next one is Article 20 of the Pension Code, more commonly known as the Reciprocal Act. This was born out of Resolution 2022-03. Uh, last year it was House Bill 5136, championed by Representative Aaron Ortiz. And this would allow Article 4 participants uh, to be added to the list of pension systems that can automatically transfer between funds. Historically, and several times in recent history, we create these kind of pockets or windows of opportunity for our members to claim previously accrued credible service from former employers, typically other police or fire departments. And they open up in smaller windows, three, four, six months at a time, uh, in which our members have the opportunity to transfer that time. The intent of this bill is to codify this practice more permanently in statute so that the legislative committee doesn't have to dedicate resources or capital into passing these particular types of 
generally non-controversial bills on a repetitive basis. Yeah, with forward. like transfer windows. And again, right. this is nothing new. There are mm-hmm. plenty of pensions fund systems in the state of Illinois that are already part of Article 20. We're just trying to join the club with those other pension fund systems that are out there. Correct. We would be the 13th. Yes. So, cool. That's a that's a big because, you know, you have members that are that have, you know, SERS time or TRS time or, you know, anything and be uh, what a great opportunity for them uh, because other funds also, you know, have that opportunity. There are other workers in the state that have that opportunity as well. So why not us? Agreed. Uh, the next one was resolution came to us from resolution 2022-06 regarding uh, cost of living adjustments. This bill would allow Article 4 participants that retired between 1976 and 1986 to collect their 3% COLA um, as they were not included in the previous change that took place back in 2008. Uh, in 2008, uh, as a part of the negotiations, there was a lot of issues that were were um, being considered. Mm. And unfortunately, uh, 1976, 1977 is where that line was drawn. So. Uh, our members that retired pre-77 or post-86 enjoy that 3% COLA, those in the middle of which there's about 110 currently um, do not enjoy that same that same benefit. So we're looking to correct that issue. It was originally the intention to go back the next General Assembly, but as we all remember in 2008, there was a lot going on with the economy and the crash. Lehman and Brothers that, so collapsed. There, there was not a whole lot of opportunity for, for improvement of benefits of any kind for anybody. So... Um, this is our attempt to to correct to correct that. Yeah, that goes back to what Steve mentioned earlier. We've tried to improve benefits for our brothers and sisters over time, including Tier 2. And unfortunately, there's this last group of Tier 1 participants yeah. that don't have the benefits others do. Yes. So um, it's, it's great that we're trying to tackle yeah. that and improve their their uh, cost of living. Even going back to the disco era, we try to take care of our own. That's right. You would have thrived That's, then. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was meant for that. I was meant. If I won the lotto, I would dress like Danny Tario. It would be insane. Just all day long, Saturday night fever. All right, go ahead. You look good today, my Thanks, man. You do. I just would note I did dress up. I, I did was I was invited to speak at the Fire uh, Service Women of Illinois Symposium today. So there was about sixty women, female, you know, fights from chief all the way down. They were. It was fantastic. They were super cool. Asked a ton of different questions and super engaging and I enjoyed it. So uh, if any of you are listening out there, thank you for the opportunity. And if you are a uh, fire service woman of Illinois and you're not yet a part of that organization, join. So there you go. Thank you. But that's why I looked, I wanted to look good. Not for you schlubs. You know? Noted. Okay. Uh, the next two were also resolutions, both regarding EMS only locals. One was resolution 2022-19 and this would allow EMS only locals uh, afford them the, the same benefits and protections under acts like the Substitute Act and the Healthcare Continuation Act. The resolution directs us to review all of the acts that pertain to professional union firefighters in the state of Illinois and where they differ from EMS only professional union uh, EMS personnel to try to reconcile those differences. Okay. The other one was 2022 20, 20, 20. And similarly, this reviews uh, the EMS-only locals in the state and seeks out if there's an opportunity for them to participate in a pension fund, possibly IMRF, SLEP, or otherwise, where they would be able to enjoy um, substantially better benefits than they do currently and where they differ from Article Four members. 
And there were, I'm sorry. And, and back to the reciprocity one. Mm-hmm. You know, we have some some members. There's a couple of them out there where they they went from EMS only to fire EMS. Okay, so they went from being IMRF to Article Four members, right? Established a pension fund. So what you're saying is that instead of having to run that transfer window all the time for these individuals to get picked up, those locals, because I know we've gotten questions all over the place, those locals would then just have the opportunity to participate in that Article 20 reciprocity, which you wouldn't have to run those special bills all the time. That's correct. Correct. Very good. I, I know that was a specific... Can I uh, speak just from the outside? Yes. So what Glenn Carbon... Glenn, that Glenn Carbon was, was the one that came to mind, yeah. Glenn Carbon was EMS only. Correct. And they just formed an Article 4. So they have members that had eight, eight years. years of IMRF time, and then they're starting as a Tier 2 member in Article 4. Correct. And there, there currently isn't a mechanism in state statute to allow them to transfer that correct. time, right? Yes, that's correct. That, there's actually there's been a few, uh, but there's been, well, there's been a few windows, and there's just been a few locals where that's happened over the years. I mean, Glenn Carbon is the one that comes to mind. Um, for you know, one of my locals in, in new pension funds, but you're right. I mean, there's guys there that have anywhere between you know a year and a half and eight years of service. Um, they've become firefighter paramedics. What do we do? Uh, that's why there's such an importance for that because um, they should be able to utilize their benefit time, like thousands of other uh, workers in the state of Illinois are allowed to do. Just be treated the same as everybody else. Definitely. Resolution twenty twenty two dash twenty one. Uh, seeks to allow firefighters and paramedics and EMTs six weeks of paid parental leave um, for birth, adoption, or fostering of a new child. As we're all aware, we have access to you know 12 weeks FMLA. Um, you can use your accrued benefits, sick leave, things like that, often concurrently with your FMLA time. But what this does is try to set aside a separate block, a time window, et cetera, where they would be allowed to use that paid time off to bond with their child. Would that be, uh, and and again, I know we're, this is so new, so I'm not going to hold anybody to anything Mm -hmm. because uh, proposed legislation changes, you know, through the, through the uh, schoolhouse rock AFFI process. But uh, would that be in addition to uh, other types of paid leave run concurrent with that? Um, How does that work? Or we just, we don't know yet. We're in the beginning stages. The de- the details are still being ironed yeah, out as okay. to what it's finally going to look like. But again, we're just trying to reconcile our members' rights with more um, enlightened, maybe worldviews um, of, of bonding with children and the importance of it, especially right after birth. Right after birth. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Another one is, uh, it was formerly House Bill 3081 and the 102nd regarding post-traumatic stress disorder. This is going to be reintroduced this year, um, and the nuts and bolts of it is it would add post-traumatic stress disorder to the list of presumptive illnesses that are causally related to the work that we do as professional firefighters in the state of Illinois. If I recall with this one, it's a very similar language between this and the, the cancer presumption under 110.1 where it's a rebuttable presumption. So it's presumed. However, the employer has the opportunity to, or any party really, has the opportunity to rebut that presumption, Correct. any proper party, I should say, to mm-hmm. rebut that presumption that it was not caused in the course of your employment or by an act of duty or service as a firefighter. Okay. Correct. And it was, it was very well discussed in the 102nd section, but 102nd GA, but it just never really gained um, any traction. So we look forward to continuing that, that conversation in the 103rd. Okay. The next one is retiree health insurance. Uh, Last year it was House Bill 1461. Um, And this is not, this is more just of a reminder 
to those. This was a born out of a convention resolution um, for a struggle that a few of our locals were experiencing when separating from service by way of retirement. Uh, several employers were not allowing their members to modify their insurance plans at the time of retirement if it was outside of the open enrollment period. Uh, that action, that position is in violation of the fireman's continuation privilege yes. in the insurance code, uh, and it's subject to enforcement under IDFPR. So this is more, you know, just an opportunity, a reminder, everyone out there in the listening area, that that, that regardless of when you're employer's open enrollment period is at retirement our members are allowed to review their insurance and their circumstance and situations and make the necessary changes 100 percent. i think was that like 212 f of the insurance code or something i can't believe i remember that did you say f f yeah that's right isn't it right hey thanks yeah i appreciate that he has no idea (laughs) that's right here he thinks i'm quoting that really was i was right 212 f right nailed it god damn right i'm good thank you appreciate that (laughs) take that professional firefighters union of indiana um, <laughs> so you do absolutely have that right. So that's nice that there would be a reminder because uh, uh, that's unfortunate that some uh, employers take that position. So at the very beginning when we were talking about those Tier 2 improvements and fixes, uh, we talked about the issues we're all facing around the state and honestly country with uh, recruiting new firefighters for, yes. for our profession. So we actually have a a draft of a bill that Senator Joyce is going to sponsor that would create a recruitment and retention task force to get some of the stakeholders on the same page. Um, Obviously, the AFI would be a part of that. And hopefully we can come up with some some solutions, identify some of the barriers that we're all experiencing right now, whether that's, you know, the paramedic requirements, whether that's application fees, whether that's being sponsored by a department for fire two, those types of things, or or medic class, yeah, all all of those issues. Um, so, with the chiefs in the room with us and, and local unit of government representatives as well, maybe we can all sit down, hear from all sides of whatever the issues are, the challenges are, keeping in mind that we're the only ones in that group that have no ability to hire somebody. Right, right. once they're hired, once that process takes place, is when they hopefully they become, become our members. Ours. Yeah. But that doesn't, you know, change the end result of our members are facing these difficulties and working yeah. all the overtime. So uh, we're hopeful that this won't be like the task force you sometimes hear about where good ideas go to die. We're, we're hopeful that this one will. It was referred to committee. <laughs> right, right. We're hopeful this one will uh, actually turn out some actual productive changes that we can all take advantage of throughout the state. Another uh, resolution we had from 2022-18 has to do with the mobile integrated healthcare and the the funding of it. So right now we're working with various members of the General Assembly as well as uh, JCAR and those that establish the codes, or IDPH and those that establish the codes for billing. Uh, we're, we're working between if this requires a legislative fix or just some code changes to allow for the billing of the mobile integrated healthcare that some of our locals have already been able to get in through the, uh, what was that called? The trial or pilot, pilot program. program. Uh, So we're hopeful that we can figure out a solution to allow other locals that are looking to start this process to be able to 
get some funding for it. Do we have like uh, how many locals right now? And again, unfair question because this wasn't the topic, but are doing the mobile integrated healthcare that have got those up and running. If we, if we are aware, it's like a handful. Rockford. Rockford is the big one that comes to mind. Correct. Yeah. East Peoria. East Peoria was, but I don't. Okay. And then uh, Wakanda is doing some type of that work. That's John Uh, Spratt. He's well ahead of all of us. Yeah. So that's a prime example in Wakanda where right now, I mean, they have their their fire protection district. They have their normal operating budget and revenue. And to just find money to to staff a vehicle, to buy a vehicle, to put in place the ability to do this mobile integrated health care. I mean, that doesn't, you know, just magically happen. So this funding would absolutely help help them and other locals like that. Oh, great. And I know a lot of people probably remember the infamous foreign fire insurance bill. Uh, I know it manifested itself in several different variations over the years. Uh, most but you guys finally got it done. Uh, we, yep, it was a it was a team effort. You know, Senate Bill fifteen seventy one, and the hundred and second uh, is now Public Act one hundred two dash zero seven four zero. Had an effective uh, date of January first of this year, and I always like to have the conversation. Much like local pension boards, foreign fire insurance boards are not direct affiliates of the AFFI a or quasi administrative agency. IAFF, yeah. But a lot of the members that belong to our locals participate on these boards. And the executive board is also sought out as kind of a resident expert on these issues because of the resources through us that they have access to. So we, what we did is we created a, a kind of a resource for DVPs to provide guidance should any locals reach out with any questions. And the underlying premise with that document is that if foreign fire insurance boards are happy with how they're currently operating, we encourage them to maintain those relationships and to not change anything. But in instances where where there are issues or there's things that the Foreign Fire Insurance Board writes that they would like to assert under law, they now have the ability to do so. And with this document, we can provide that guidance. And yes. I know we worked with your firm to, yeah, to create yeah. a lot of that that model language and, and those ideas and concepts to, to address each of those issues. It was really nice uh, to, to kind of put this issue to bed and Certainly. give these boards some standing. Uh, I know our office has been contacted. I've worked with a, numerous foreign fire tax boards in terms of uh, exercising their rights uh, making sure that any municipal ordinances uh, that are on the books that are inconsistent with this are removed or amended. Uh, and, and again, just just getting these up and running in professional fashion, which is really a shame. I mean, in, in my experience, uh, you guys had to run this bill because there were some, and again, for everybody out there listening in Radio Land, most employers, wonderful, great actors. 99. Like, let, 99.9%. Let's get through the day. Let's deal with it. And then you have some employers that took some really just remarkable stances uh, and really put the members and their own fire departments, by the way, at a, at a huge disadvantage, which is why you guys had to run the bill that you did um, for the couple bad eggs that are out there, which really gives these boards standing and an opportunity to avail themselves of the grievance procedure when there's something completely reasonable that you want to use with these foreign fire tax funds that are made available by statute and for one uh, incoherent reason or another are denied. So uh, good stuff. So yeah, I think our, our office uh, made that available or for the for you guys to always helpful. Yeah, cool. So that's the list of the resolutions that were passed in the uh, 2022 convention or 
2020 convention that we're redrafting. Okay. And that's ultimately, just as a reminder, this is where we get our, our direction. The delegates that convene on the convention floor, they determine what, what we do. These resolutions say they uh, direct the legislative committee to go to Springfield and draft bills and legislation to affect these issues that they've identified. So that's the list that we we have. That's the direction we were given, and those are the objectives we're trying to reach. Go to Springfield, fight the good fight. Hopefully you're not kidnapped by space aliens at the Celtic Mist, which, as we know, is always a possibility. It's a thing. And so there you go. Do you want to briefly talk about our uh, PAC leadership Yep. Stuff? I didn't Do know it. if you had any other bills or issues you want to talk about. Do uh, it. So, uh, going back to the convention resolutions and actions taken by the delegates, uh, the delegates at the 2022 convention unanimously approved the increase of our PAC contributions. For those that have been a part of it in the past or have heard us talk about this at great lengths, previously it was recommended that $5 per member per month contributed to our PAC. And we also had a leadership level that said if you contributed $6 or more, you were part of the leadership level. And there was... There Chuck are, Sullivan makes you dinner. Uh, some version of that, yeah. yeah. Buys you a pork chop in a Hot can, dog. something oh like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> pork chop in a can. Yeah. <laughs> Where do I sign, right? So uh, there was 50, five zero locals that were leaders at the leadership level that contributed more than the recommended amount. Right. Uh, at the 2022 convention, the delegates, again, like I said, unanimously agreed to increase the recommended amount to $6. So then the leadership amount for 2023 would Seven. be $7 or more. And we currently have, as of Tuesday night, 21 locals that are part of the uh, $7 or more. And the most recent being, as of Tuesday night, DeKalb Local 1236. They, being the leaders they are, went up to $8. What? So. Noah put the strong arm. He was threatening people in the hallways. Loretto and Local 506. You guys are now on notice. Are we on the, are we at the $7 one? You're more than seven, but less than eight. Oh, son of a bitch. I will fix that. Take that. I'm going to run. You know what? Thanks to House Bill 220, I'm running against them. I'm going to smoke them. It's over with. It's fine. Done. I will take care of this. Or you could just make the motion to increase it. I'm going to make the motion to increase it. Yeah. I wasn't even aware of this. I'm going to write this wrong. This is bullshit. I gotcha. God so, damn it, Loretto. So I also have to just say, because they do a great job, uh, some people care, some people don't care about politics, but it's, it's a necessary part of this process. And funding is certainly a part of the politics. So we actually have one. I'm proud to say we have a hundred percent of our AFFI board and trustees that also contribute at the leadership level. In addition to what they pay from their local, uh, in addition to some of our at-large officers that pay double, they pay at times triple out of their AFFI pay, and are leaders upon leaders upon leaders. So uh, they're doing amazing work, and we're happy to say that the entire AFFI executive board and trustees are also. At the leadership level, hundred percent. Just real quick, Jerry, and I, I know this will probably be a future episode, but um, Senate Bill two hundred eight that passed yes. and will become law in January of twenty twenty four. Repeat twenty twenty four. One one of um, twenty four. You 
our membership might be seeing news articles or on the social media platforms. On the Instas. Yes, about the um, employee paid time off from work act. It's uh, Senate Bill 208. Uh, It's paid leave for all workers act. uh, And really it's effective one, one of 24. Um, and, And again, like most bills or like most of these types of provisions that are passed, I think what you guys do is a really good job of saying, well, this is a floor, not a ceiling. Uh, and it certainly can be expanded upon given your collective bargaining rights. So at a minimum, uh, any employee who works in, and an employee who works in Illinois, there are some, you know, uh, you know, independent contractors, it's, you know, things like that, that aren't in the club, uh, is entitled to earn and use up to a minimum of 40 hours of paid leave during a 12 month period. Uh, for any purpose, as long as it's taken in accordance with the provisions of this act, et cetera. Now, um, again, there's nothing in this in this that uh, diminishes the ability to collectively bargain further and expanded benefits uh, or that takes away any benefits under a collective bargaining agreement. Um, and, and again, this is we're still trying to f- and I mean, it hasn't been signed by the governor yet. Right. Correct. So we have this language and we're still trying to parse out all of the questions around and what this means. But there is this expanded benefit. Uh, I did write a, a draft for the AFFI on this and a couple other provisions that you will be seeing shortly. Um, we're just you know reviewing it and getting it out to you guys now. And we can talk about that at our next episode. Yeah, there's a few or, different. Again, we have a year. You know, for, yes, we have for, a year. We'll get that to that particular it. bill. Yeah, we're efficient. Okay. Um, do we want to talk just one other issue about upcoming events? Um, yeah, le- I think we ledge can, conference. Yeah, we could close out. And actually, we should start with a ledge conference. I uh, appreciate Jeff and Steve and Chuck making their way here today to the studio and covering what we got going on for the upcoming year here in the gem, uh, General Assembly. But our legislative conference is scheduled for March 14th through 16th in Springfield. Yay. We plan on opening registrations in early February here. We actually have uh, this group here, a uh, planning meeting coming up in the next week uh, to make sure we get start to get that dialed in. So that'll be coming up fast. Um, if you're listening, just uh, watch your emails, social media, AFFI webpage for that information. And then we launched registrations last week for the AFFI Health and Safety Conference that is coming together nicely. Um, you can go to the FFI webpage for that information as well. We've blasted it out on social media. So at the conference, we're going to cover a multitude of great topics um, from fire dynamics, firefighter fitness, firefighter nutrition, cancer issues, mental health, sleep issues, uh, legal issues associated with some of these. It should be a great conference, and I'm looking forward to it. It's 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 new. Apparently, they have, if I held some type of safety conference back in the late 90s is the last time we did something oh, like wow. this. So um, I'm proud that uh, the board and staff and everybody's pulling together to make an event like this happen and really looking forward to it. So that is going to be February 27th and 28th. And then there's the accompanying basement fires. And there's the accompanying basement fires. That's done by the uh, International Society of Fire Service Instructors. And the instructor that we actually have is uh, from FDNY. He has been a part of all the UL testing. Uh, so we'll have a great instructor from that. And we're offering that as an optional third day for the conference. And then we are also running another one of the basement fires up north in Rolling Meadows on March 2nd. So the, so, so the health and safety, though, February 27th, 28th, and then the March 1st one is down in... Bloomington Normal. Bloomington Normal. Yep. Anything but. And then... 
The second day, March 2nd, for the basement fires is in uh, Rolling Meadows, as correct. I recall. Yes, yes, correct. So we're just offering it up north as a standalone. So if people can't make it to Bloomington Normal, they have a chance Perfect. to hit the basement fires class. So uh, really proud to launch all that out. What's nice, too, the basement fires class, we're offering that for free. So cool. um, uh, unique opportunity for our members. So, yeah, so for now, for the spring, that's our, our big things that we have happening event-wise. Uh, we also have our local officer training. That'll be by invite only. That'll be in April um, for our new union board members that get elected around the state. We provide some free basic training to get them up to speed on being a local officer, and we'll be sending that stuff out so soon. So for the AFFI on event side of things, we got uh, a pretty hectic spring already, and uh, but looking forward to it and getting back to things after the holidays and kicking off the new year. It's great. And I, I completely singed all of my eyebrows off once at a basement fire. I just realized that as you were talking, they were gone. I looked like it, like Uncle Fester in my eyebrow. I was aw- It was more hideous than I am now. It was fantastic. I just you, remember that. You should attend this class, I probably. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I believe the basement fires, what they really teach you, what you want to do is you want to uh, blow out all the windows before you have any hose line in place or any water. You really want to get that oxygen in there, let that fire go so you can find it for when you finally put water in place. I believe that's the tactic, if I understand that correctly right i would That's go ahead and attend just to make sure you <laughs> that, that might not be right a good good thing Jerry's you're working wait, for indiana here. Yeah. yeah good thing you're an incident commander jerry yeah <laughs> so you can apply those tactics yeah you really just want to you want to just give it air no matter what just give it air you know um, your job is to make sure there's a basement yeah <laughs> <laughs> let us do the rest right and not the house going into the basement That's either <laughs> we don't like to do that yeah, either yeah. so and the roof ends up at the basement. So, all right. Do we have anything else or final thoughts to discuss before we adjourn to today's proceedings? Yeah, I would just like to real quick uh, say for those that are interested in becoming a PAC leader level participant. Loretto. Uh, you can simply just send Sue in the office an email and CC your legislative rep and the magic will happen from there. Wonderful. It's very easy and painless. As always, thank you very much to Chicago's Bravest uh, uh, Stories podcast, Fire and Iron Media, uh, for graciously always allowing us to use their space for these podcasts. And as long as you keep listening, we'll keep making them. And I think this is a really great start to uh, season three. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's great to get this out there. Again, appreciate you guys, uh, Jeff and Steve, uh, making the trip. And Thanks for the and, opportunity. And we will go uh, off the record. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Be safe out there. See you next time.